0: do tonight is from the Holy Spirit. It is not something that is from me. And one of the things Pastor talked about is we're focusing on sound doctrine. The reason why we're talking about sound doctrine is because there are real teachers, and then there are teachers who are not so real. And we're going to identify that tonight. So, Chris, how far away are we? I don't know how to be a drummer, but that's because I'm not a drummer. And what happens to a band when you're not a good drummer? It falls apart. Oh, I know how that works. But if you have a good drummer here instead of me, then what happens is the band is all together. But I'm not a drummer, so if I were a drummer, then the band would not be together. I'd be a false drummer. And that's what we're talking about tonight. See, a good drummer, everyone stays together. A bad drummer, everyone is confused. Say to yourself, confused. Confused. We're going to stay away from that word, confused. Because that's what I just demonstrated. You see, a band is like a church. And the drummer is the church leader with sound doctrine. Say sound doctrine. So with that, a good sound doctrine, the church stays together. A bad sound doctrine, the church falls apart. So, before we started the recording tonight, Pastor Jose was explaining that that is what we're focusing on over the next few weeks, sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? Whenever we talk about sound doctrine, we're always talking about the Bible. See, the Bible is included. See, if you think about doctrine, think of the word document. What's a document? Well, the Bible is a document. Okay? Okay. We use the Bible as our manual, as our instruction guide. The problem that we have with this instruction guide is it's very complicated. 66 books, 2,000 years old, and more. It's very complicated. So we need teachers, pastors, and apostles, evangelists, prophets, to help us with what's in the Bible, to understand what's in the Bible. But very often, some of those... False positions, did you hear me say false positions, will lead a church away from the truth. Now, when I say lead the church away from the truth, what is the church? The church is the people, it's not the building. And so that is why we're talking about doctrine. So, tonight's topic is no other doctrine. We're focusing on The doctrine that's in the Bible. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm going to step off here. Everything I just said, you've all heard before. That's boring. It's important. It's critical. I had to say that. But the reason why I say it's boring, you've all heard that before. This is what's different tonight. We're going to talk about how you identify what is right and what is wrong. This is a lesson about discernment. Rather than watch what's up here, and when I say up here, I don't mean just this altar, but the altars around the world, what's real and what's fake. I'm going to give you the tools, not only tonight, but over the next few weeks, to be able to understand, you know, the pastor's right. And why? Because it's in the Bible. And I worshiped, I prayed, and I had received revelation from the word that I read in the Bible, and the pastor confirms it. That's what pastors do. They confirm what you know, because it's our responsibility to know. You see, what happens in a church body, there's a responsibility with apostles, pastors, prophets, and teachers, and evangelists, the, you know, the fivefold ministry, but there's also an even greater responsibility. Say to yourself, greater responsibility— of the church body because in the Bible there's a greater discussion about the church body about the people about the flock about the sheep there are different words for it so that's what we're talking about tonight not my responsibility not the apostles responsibility but your responsibility but see that's the beautiful thing you'll be protected you'll be able to figure out that you know what is right you know what is wrong. So let's get to it, shall we? So as I said, and as you see on the screen, teach no other doctrine. Um, our topic tonight will have five chapters to it. I've been saying the doctrine probably 20 times. It's about time I define the word doctrine. So we'll do that. The next thing is we're going to read and understand First of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. I'm not just going to read it. We're going to break it down. Then after we learn what first of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1 through 10 says, then we're going to talk about the reasons to love sound doctrine. Say that. Love sound doctrine. And then after we learn how to love sound doctrine, we're going to discern the false Christians of today. What what, what do I mean by false Christians? False Christians are the ones that say that they're Christians, but the words out of their mouth and their actions, their character and their integrity do not follow with what we're taught in the Bible in terms of what our character should be, what our integrity should be, what our works should be. That means our actions. And what the words out of our mouth should be. So that's what we'll talk about. And then we'll wrap up with ten facts about false teachers. Ten facts about false teachers. And I'll give you the scriptures that go with it. These aren't things that are just made up. These are ten facts about false teachers. So let's begin. As I said today, we're going to be talking about 1 Timothy chapter 1. Um, I'll deal with uh, verse uh, one through ten today, maybe even eleven. Um, and we're going to talk about Timothy, a church leader in Ephesus. He was sent to Ephesus to manage the church there. The apostle Paul sent him there. Um, you see, Timothy had a special relationship with the apostle Paul—a very special relationship. And when you read First and Second of Timothy, it'll show. It'll show. And, and frankly speaking, um, the nice thing about First and Second of Timothy, it's an easy read. It's an easy read. Um, so here's what happened. I'll make, I'll break it down. Apostle Paul sent two emails to Timothy, or, or was it WhatsApp? Did they have Facebook back then? Let's just call them letters. We'll just say letters. So in 1st and 2nd of Timothy, we see Paul's expectations of Timothy. Expectations. So the Apostle Paul spoke to a church leader in Ephesus. Let's think about that. And he had expectations. See, when you read 1st of Timothy, you think about what do we mean by expectations? What would an apostle have in terms of an expectation for a church? You might see a church leader or a pastor operate in the church because that's who you see on a regular basis. But behind the scenes, with the letters that are sent or the communication that is done, what are those expectations? Well, let me tell you what they are. They're very mature expectations. And because it's mature, there's a separation between the church leader and the people of the church. There's a level of maturity for church leaders, and I'm talking about in various capacities, apostles and on down. And then there's an expectation for the church body. Now, the church body has the responsibility to learn from the teachers, but there's a separation. We're going to talk about that. So, this young church leader, Timothy, is specifically responsible for maintaining the Apostle Paul's standard. See, there's an expectation and then there's a standard. What do I mean by standard? Standard is something that is to be started and maintained so that it is consistent, it is routine. There are no surprises, so that when you go to the church in Ephesus, you know what to expect. You know what not only the church leader's expectations are, you know what the congregation's expectations are. You know what your expectations are. Okay, that's the kind of mature conversation the Apostle Paul had with Timothy. Um, So let's talk about doctrine. You hear that word, doctrine. Let me give you the dictionary term of doctrine. And then, then I'll give you the layman's term of what doctrine means in terms of the dictionary definition. Doctrine is a Latin term called from doctrina. That's where it comes from, meaning teaching or instruction. That's what it means. So it's a set of beliefs or a body of teachings or instructions, taught principles or positions as the essence of teachings in a given branch of knowledge or in a belief system. I babbled some words. I'll tell you what it is. You know what doctrines are? Two things. Number one, it's teachings. That means you learn something. And it's principles, a set of instructions for good things to happen. See, in the Bible, when we talk about principles, we talk about principles where good things happen. That's when there's a manifestation and blessings occur. That's what I mean by good things happen. See, if you follow certain biblical principles, blessings are a result of following those biblical principles. So how do you follow those biblical principles? You have to be taught it. That's why doctrine is teachings and principles. That's what doctrine is. So, as I said before, tonight's topic is no other doctrine. And as you see here, teach no other doctrine doctrine. We're going to focus on what comes out of the Bible, our specific teachings and principles. So the Bible actually has two pieces to it. And that may be where some people are confused as they're learning and they're studying the Bible is, okay, when am I learning here? And what is the principles to follow? So that's how you read the Bible. It's teachings and principles, two things. So Paul sent two letters to Timothy as a set of teachings and principles. Okay, now I'm going to read First of Timothy chapter one, verse one through ten. And as I read this, for those here in the church building, please write as I read the word. And for those uh, at home on your sofa, put down the ice cream, stand up, and I'll read First of Timothy chapter one, verse one through ten. So let me get you, let you get ready. It's First of Timothy. It's chapter 1. And I will read verse 1 through 10. So let's do this, shall we? So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, Timothy charged to oppose false teachers. Charged to oppose false teachers. That means his job is to go against those that are teaching false doctrine. Verse 3. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. That means to stop. Verse 4, Or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. That means staying away from the confusion. Verse 5, The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Six, Verse 6, Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. That means they're teaching Babel. Verse 7, they want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. They're confident because they know people don't know the Bible, so they can be easily tricked. Verse 8, we know that the law is a good is good if one uses it properly. Verse 9, We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and the rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality for slave traders and liars and perjurers and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine. See, the sound doctrine is not just for you, not just for me. There is no us and them. God's children is everyone, including us and them. So what I just read, you may be seated. First of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. So I'll break it down for you. So the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, Stay there in Ephesus so that you may continue, command certain people not to teach false doctrines. What does that mean? Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, is out of control. They do not know what they are teaching. Some of them know they're providing false doctrines. Others don't. They don't know. And then, But the Apostle Paul says not to teach false doctrines any longer. That means it's going to stop. Timothy arrives and it's going to stop right then and there. Why does the Apostle send Timothy? Because he trusts him. Because... Timothy will operate under no other doctrine. That's why the apostles sent Timothy. The second thing. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. When you do that, and I just read the scripture there, when you do that, you do it through an act of love. Did you hear me say act of love? That's a verb. That's an action. Something is done. Um, some of you who have been in the church for a while may have heard me say that love is L-O-V-E. L-O-V-E, love. Let our voices encourage. What does that mean? It means you have to do something. You, you do more than just show it. You have to demonstrate it. You demonstrate it through an Encouragement and that 's why god 's children are all people, including the sexually immoral, including the more immorals, uh, the immoral people. a pure heart what 's a pure heart? It is void, it is eliminated out of jealousy, intimidation, or fear. You know you can discern someone who 's attacking you. you can discern someone. Who's against you? You can assert, discern someone who's being false to you, even if they're not attacking you. They could be jealous of you because of what you have. They could be intimidated by you because you might overpower them, or they might be afraid that you might expose them. Those are the three reasons. So when when someone has a hidden agenda, it is done out of one of or more one or more of three things. It's done out of jealousy intimidation or fear so if that's what you're supposed to be void of what should you have what should that character be well we know it through the fruits of the spirit it's in galatians chapter 5 verse 22 through 23 i'll say it again galatians chapter 5 verse 22 through 23 and i'll read it but the fruits of the spirit are is love joy peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things, there is no law. You can't fight against that. That is true character. Okay, so that is what the Apostle Paul meant when he said the goal in this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and good conscience and a sincere faith. The next one. Some have departed from these and have turned into meaningless talk. Remember? Meaningless talk. Well, how is that meaningless talk manifested? What does that look like? What do we mean by meaningless talk? Look for deception. Some sort of deception. Look for manipulation. Look to see if what is being said is being done out of selfishness. So it's either going to be through deception, manipulation, and selfishness. And the reason why it's being done, as we mentioned before, it's done through jealousy, intimidation, and fear. You can recognize those. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. That's what the Apostle Paul said. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. Say the word properly. That's what we mean by sound doctrine. It's got to be done properly. Remember, what is doctrine? It's teachings and principles. You learn something. The principles, you do something. It's got to be done properly. That's why we are taught something. Then we're given principles so we know what to do. So let's learn more. So the biblical principles, it, let me tell you what principles are. A fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. We're calling that biblical principles. Now, the, the next one is, we also know that the law is made not for the righteous, people who are contrary to the sound doctrine. Again, the teachings and the principles that come from the sound doctrine, which is in the Bible and are taught by the apostles, the pastors, the prophets, the evangelists and the teachers. we also know that the laws made not for the righteous people who are contrary to the sound doctrine, and those are the lawbreakers, the rebels, the ungodly, the sinful, the unholy, the irreligious, the murderers, the sexual immoral. The homosexual, the slave traders, the liars, the perjurers, and more. All of us, all of us. No one is excluded. Okay. You ever play baseball when you're a kid? You like baseball? Baseball? Baseball in the far back? Well, I never had a good hand eye hand-eye coordination. I'm not good at sports. Throw a ball at me and. We ignore the hecklers in the crowd here. <laughs> we'll get you. Is that better? <laughs> but I'll tell you what I did learn when I was in Little League. And our team always lost. We always lost. But what I always learned, or what is was told, and didn't do a good job at it, is to keep your eye on the ball. Right? Right? Even with T-ball. Even with T-ball. Little kids... When you're playing a little baseball, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your. We also do that in church. Keep your eye on the ball. So in church, the ball is God. See, see. when you walk in the door, see, and for those on camera, you don't realize, I'm, I'm pointing to the front door. You come in the front door, and when you arrive here in the church, and here are the people in the church, what's your eye on? Your eye is on God. It's, it's like little league. Keep your eye in the ball. Keep your eye in the ball. As I I told you before, God teaches us love. L-O-V-E. Let our voices encourage. Okay. Now I'm going to show you something else. I'm going to step to the side here. And what do you see here? You see this nice sign? Okay. What does it say? It says, Worship the King. You like that? Worship the King. When we come here at the Resurrection Center, located at 1060 Worcester Street, Indian Orchard area of Springfield, or if we're watching online, TRC 413. But I don't need to remind those on camera that because if you're watching me, just come here. Wednesdays at seven. Worship the King. You'll never look at this sign the same way again. Keep in keep in the need of God. King, keep in the need of God. Pretty cool. You'll never look at that again. Now, what'll happen is, Pastor has. Uh, told us about the 21-day fast that begins uh, July 7th. Many of us in the church will be having the 21-day fast. That's not Burger King. (laughs) The joke's not funny if you have to explain it. That was a long shot. (laughs) So what is God? If we keep in need of God... What is God? G O D. Good orderly direction. What is that good orderly direction? It's our guide. It's the teachings and principles. Where do the teachings and principles come from? The sound doctrine. What does it help us with? Four things one, two, three, four. Our character, our integrity, our actions the words out of our mouth. What's our character? It is the way we behave to ourselves. Not to other people, but to ourselves. Because if we behave to ourselves in a proper way, that just overflows. You automatically behave in the proper way to other people. You have heard the phrase, if you love yourself, then you'll love others. If you don't love yourself then you won't love others. So that's what character is. It's how you treat yourself. If you treat yourself in a good way, then automatically, by default, you'll treat others in a good way. The next one is integrity. Integrity is your trustworthiness. It's like, Pastor, can I borrow your lawnmower? I promise I'll return it. Did you get that lawnmower back? No? The next one is actions. You've heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Um, Your words can't hide your actions. And then, the words out of your mouth. Whatever you speak, you thought of, it automatically slips out. You can't stop everything. You can't hide everything. So that's what the teachings and principles do. It keeps our character in check. It keeps our integrity in check. It keeps our actions in check. And it keeps the words that come out of our mouth in check. So that's all I wanted to talk about in terms of keep in the need of God and good orderly direction. Now I want to talk to you about The reasons to love sound doctrine. The reasons to love sound doctrine. Wouldn't that be a good thing to know? We've been talking about this for this time. Let's talk about it. There are eight reasons that I will talk about tonight. There's probably a thousand, but I'll just do eight. The first one, and perhaps the most obvious if you really think about it, God loves sound doctrine. God loves sound doctrine. You see, the sound doctrine flows from God's words and revealed will, meaning God's will in Scripture. See, God gave us his word and sound doctrine so that we could know him. See, that's what happens in the Bible. We have to know who God is. You know, as a book publisher for 26 years, one of the things that I tell people, it's not the book that sells, it's the author. People don't buy the book, they buy the author. How many children's books are there? How many books of a particular genre are there? So what happens is you're selling the person who wrote it, the qualifications. You're looking at that character integrity, the actions, and the words out of their mouth. Okay? Well, that's what you get from the Bible. Who's the author? God. So by understanding the Bible, you understand who God is. Okay? you, You get to love God. You get to obey him because you want to. Because you see the principles are manifesting. These principles, meaning these activities that you should do, the, this type of behavior that you should have, so that blessings automatically come. And you can also teach others. And how do you teach others? I'll give you an example. Where's my wife? She's uh, There she goes. Uh, I knew I brought her. <laughs> Either that, I was talking to no one in the car. <laughs> as we were walking out to the car, as we were walking out to the car, we waved to the neighbor. And she says, you're going to church? And I said, yes. And what did she say? Wow. And then, what, and then, And I'm not saying that in a funny way, but what I'm saying is she sees us, you know, we get in our car, we're going, hi, where are you going? We're going to church. She sees us. And I told, and I don't even know her name, but I told my wife, our actions speak louder than words. They see something. During the pandemic, we are here. Um, some of you might know, there was uh, a couple of weeks I could barely walk. The church was empty. Only a few people know that. I could barely walk. I was in extreme pain. And I would walk like this. I hurt my back. And uh, I was here. I gave the Easter message. Um, But that's what people see. Actions speak louder than words. What you end up doing when you follow the teachings and principles and you see the blessings that come out of it, you actually fight for it. You fight for God because you know what God has for you. So when you truly believe, you start to fight for it. Number two, sound doctrines, which leads to this is a great segue, sound doctrine matures individuals and the church. I talked about that before. The individuals and the church are two different things. Sound doctrine, which, again, is the teachings and principles from the Bible, is for the individual people, that means yourself, and the church. That means the congregation together. In layman's term, that means here's the church, we're all together here or watching, and then we're at home as an individual, The way you act here in church should be the way you act at home. There should be no difference. That's That's what he's talking about. Sound doctrine matures individuals in the church so that the way you behave here in front of your pastor, for example, is identical to the way you behave in front of your spouse at home. As we feed on sound doctrine, we have less of a taste for theology that tickles our ears. We live in a day and age that people are interested in hearing what they want to hear and they thrive for that. They fight for that. I'm not going to fight for that. i rather fight for the sound doctrine. Right. So, sound doctrine grows our faith and leads us to invest time wisely for Christ. See, if we are not following the teachings and principles, the sound doctrines, we start getting lost in the ocean. We're sort of lost in an abyss. And what happens when we're lost? We waste time. Cassidy, David Cassidy, Partridge Family. Do you, do you? There was his daughter. That said, uh, when, he was, when he died, the last words out of his mouth was, so much wasted time. Google it. True story. You don't want to be like that. You don't want to waste time. Number three, sound doctrine flows from the gospel. What do I mean by the gospel? The pages in the Bible or on your cell phone or, or tablet. Okay. We this is the part, I'm going to speak a moment on this, this is the part that we have a responsibility. Okay? It is wonderful to come to church. You feel uplifted to be part of the church family. We're not designed to be alone. But even when we come here, sometimes we forget that we have a responsibility too. That we have to continue that what happens in the church also happens at home. We read scripture here, but then we also have to read the scripture at home. And and I understand folks are busy. I'm busy too. I work seven days a week, day and night. Been doing that since uh, 2011. So I understand what busy is. Um, but I'm not saying that to blow a horn to myself. I'm just letting you know, I understand what busy means. Okay? Um, my point is, is that, If we don't have the same behavior and actions that we have here at the church, if we don't mimic that and have that at home, then the way we act at church is not the same as home. What I ask for you is that when you go out to the car, that your neighbors also say, wow. Okay? That was awesome to hear that, wow. Wow. Number four, it leads us to holiness. I'm a little bit exaggerated by saying, let me tell you what I mean by holiness. Okay, correct doctrine is tied with correct living. I was just referring to that, which is what the Apostle Paul means when he speaks of a knowledge of the truth which accords, which accords with godliness. And he referred to that when he, in uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 1. True doctrine from a holy God produces holy people. And I talked about that before because it goes back to the character, the integrity, the actions, the words out of your mouth. Uh, The next one, number five. It keeps us from false doctrine. Let me tell you, if you know Bible then a person who's trying to debate you won't win. If you don't know Bible, then you kind of look like this, and you nod yes in agreement to whatever is being babbled at you. Okay? Um, we, have to, we have to know Bible. I, I, I get it. It's easier for me to say than do I the Bible's a big book. It's got 66 books in it. It's a very large book. But if you do nothing, if you do nothing, then you'll sort of forget the principles and teachings you're supposed to have. Psalms is a worship, Proverbs is a wisdom. I usually tell people who are just starting out with the Bible, Proverbs and Psalms, get to worship. Get the wisdom. Then we start with the the books of the Bible. And just start doing it. Don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. Because after a while, after after you read and study Bible, even if you haven't read the entire Bible, you sort of get the gist of the flavor. You have a sort of a taste. You have a taste of the gospel. Once you have a taste of that, and you receive the teachings, or the preachings, from a pastor, an apostle, a prophet, or a teacher, or an evangelist that that comes up here. You will be able to discern what is real and what isn't. That that's not how that's not how the Bible's written. It doesn't sound right. And then you can look. So you don't even have to read it cover to cover. You, I mean, do that. But that's what I'm saying. You'll you'll have that flavor, that you know, that taste. You'll get a sense. So, but if you step away from it, if you take a vacation from it, then you lose that. So you got to keep. So they got to keep with it. Okay. With that, number six, it leads to action. Say the word action. Action. Hearing the truth of Scripture taught clearly will exalt the mercy and grace of God, which will cause us to be thankful and obey his commands. You know, I remember uh, when I first met my wife, see, I pointed to her because, see, I know I brought her. Um, I was not a true follower. I believed in Christ. I believed in the Bible. I believed in God. But I also believed I would stay home while my wife would go to church and then she prayed and she prayed and I'm making a long story short Uh, testimony another day then one day she said I'm going to church and I said I'll go with you and then I picked her up off the floor because she she felt (laughs) it was total disbelief And after she she was standing upright, and I told her I was going to church, she said, okay. But then she continued on her routine. She's walking out to the car, and she looks, he's he's following me. (laughs) He's coming. And I said, I'll drive. And I've been going ever since. The reason why... There was something special that happened that day. And it wasn't here at the Resurrection. It was years before the Resurrection Center. It was that taste. And I referred to it earlier. The Holy Spirit was in that room. And there was something that I felt. There was that taste. And I wanted to reach out. And touch it. So what is that? I want to touch that. And I learned... This wondrous thing is not something that you touch. It's something that you feel. It's a whisper. It's a whisper. It's a taste. It's something that's within you that you receive. I didn't want to lose that. That is what true doctrine is. That's what the teachings and principles was. So then after I started reading the Bible or listening to the Bible, whatever it was and then going to a teaching or a preaching on a Sunday, then I started to learn the flavor of the Bible, how it all works. It's kind of like if you're at your job and you've been there for a few years. You know how the system works. That's what happened with the Bible. I kind of got an idea of how it all worked, what it would look like, so that no one could pull a false word over me. That was wonderful. Um, the next one, it is a love for Jesus himself. His preaching involved communication, communicating doctrine that would proclaim that he is and how his followers are to live in relation to him and the world. What Jesus did, you know, that red part you see in the Bible when he speaks and he talks in terms of parables, the purpose of the parables, it's easy to remember because we didn't have Google Drive 2,000 years ago, so it's hard to save all this information. So what happened was he spoke in a way intended for the long-term, not the short-term. That's what the parables were all about. But he also spoke about what he did. And that's what you read in the Bible, what Jesus did. And it's his actions that teach us. Not that you should do this, although that is in the Bible as well. But you see, the flavor of the Bible is such that it shows how you should behave if you follow the behavior of Jesus the next one it is ultimately leads to worship with all of that you will eventually worship because what is worship it is a lifestyle of thanks it's not just saying well, thank you it's not just a lifestyle it's a lifestyle of thanks of an appreciation remember that Worship the King. Keep in need of God. Good orderly divide, uh, 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 direction. Good orderly direction. So I just finished the reasons to love sound doctrine. Now I'll tell you about the methods on how to discern false Christians of today. I told you before what are false Christians. It's the people that say they're Christians, but they're not quite. They're not quite. Okay, so here are the three methods, and they're real simple. Now, first, we look at the works that they do. That means the successes that they have. Um, A good example, Apostle Pino is from New York. Uh, Some of you know him very well. Uh, I know him. We both have the same birthday. Um, But we had um, uh, an annual event called Break Free to Your Destiny. And one of the things he said when he was preaching... um, on that day, he said, if you tell me your works, show me the trophy. Where's the trophy? Where's the evidence of it? Where's the evidence of it? Uh, actions speak louder than words. Let, let me tell you, in Matthew 24, 24, the Lord Jesus said, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, so that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Don't listen to what a person says. Look at what they do. Because what they do is who they are. The second one. We should look at the words that come out of their mouth. The words that come out of their mouth. Although I say actions speak louder than words because it comes from the heart, words can hide meanings. Actions can't. An example, false promises. When you start to see false promises, then you start seeing that what they're saying is not real. The third one, we should look at the dispositions that they reveal. What do I mean by dispositions? We talked about it before. Character. What's the character? It's the behavior. I'll give you an example. This is how you observe someone's behavior. You go... I think they're open now, in the restaurants. You go to a restaurant and you're with a friend. Look at how that friend treats the waiter or waitress. I th- saw a walrus. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> the, uh The other one is integrity. Trustworthy. Do the actions follow the words? That's what integrity is. So that's how character and integrity are tied together. So what I've just finished are the three methods on how to discern false Christians of today. Now what I'll do is I'll talk about the ten facts about false teachers. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But I'm going to list ten of them. I'm not going to drill them down. Um, but I'll demonstrate that it is from the Bible. So I'll tell you what the scriptures are. um, So I didn't just make this up. So scripture gives us some important information about false teachers, and it's all over the Bible. There's not just one chapter. Here are the false teachers. It's all over the Bible. Here's the 10 facts about false teachers. Number one, false teachers are skilled at presenting themselves in a positive light. I am great, you should not listen to me. Wow. That kind of thing. And that's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Number two, they have a form of godliness. I put my air quotes, godliness. Using scripture, including some truth with error. They're banking on that you don't know Bible. That you don't know that taste, you don't know that feel. Uh, the next one. Uh, number three, they are often... Powerful individuals. And Satan is usually behind their popularity. Powerful individuals. People in power. Watch how people use that power to see if it was tri- uh, true or not. Uh, let's see. Number four. They cause divisions. They cause divisions. Can you say divisions? Divisions divisions especially with christians who recognize their errors whenever you start hearing the us and them type of attitude then you know divisions involved those guys that's that's division number 5 they are followers second of corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 through 4 first of timothy chapter 4 verse 11 they have followers. What do I mean by that? We should never assume that a teacher's popularity is a sign of anointing from God. Thank God I'm not popular. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> but that's what it is, is, is sometimes we follow, I say we, uh, I'm speaking in general, that there's the notion of following the, the powerful person, Or the person that's popular. Oh, I want to be like them. They're in the magazine. I want to look like them. I want to be like them. I want to have what they have. Okay? That's the mistake that we have. We shouldn't follow someone that we idolize. Is that idolatry? It is idolatry. Um, Number six. They secretly introduce their false beliefs, hiding their errors with convincing explanations. Second of Peter chapter two, verse one. you know there are people who are very, very clever talkers, and they 're very good at twisting what they do is they will twist things out of context and say, "This is the truth over there when the truth is no other doctrine uh, number seven, some will even claim to be the messiah matthew chapter twenty four Verse 5. I'll be a little bit more specific with that. If I said, I am the Messiah, I'm here to save you, follow me. That's that's false. But if I say, I am here today by the permission of Pastor Jose and by the permission of Pastor Melly, and I've received a word from the Holy Spirit, not from me, but from the Holy Spirit to partake unto you, That's different. So it goes away from that charisma. Okay? That's why I never got a fancy wig or anything like that. I don't need the look. This crowd on this side over here. Um. (laughs) False prophets are forerunners to the Antichrist, drawing people away from the truth. First of John, chapter 2, verse 18. You know, a lot of this really banks on, on those false teachers assuming that you don't know Bible. And you know why they can do that? Because they're right. They're right. There's a lot of people who have just swayed away from the Bible. And so that's something that we have a problem with is that we can be easily swayed and have a twisted truth to no longer be the truth to set us in the wrong direction and these are prophets prophets say this will happen to you and it's not for you or if it's for you it's not in the right timing it's a false prophet number 9 they redefine christ second of john chapter 1 verse 6 through 11 and second of corinthians chapter 11 verse 4 they redefine christ What does redefine Christ mean? It says in the book of Revelations that you will pay the price if you rewrite the Bible. That's That's what they're talking about. By redefining Christ, you're rewriting the Bible. Be ready for that. Discern that. Don't judge it. That's God's job to judge. But be wary of that. And they (laughs) I I laugh at this. We talked about this before. They seldom have biblical lifestyles. Second of John chapter one, verse six through eleven, Matthew chapter seven, verse fifteen through twenty. The unethical behaviors behind closed doors. The way they act in church is not the way they act at home. Or in the supermarket. And you see them. What? Pastor laughs. he must have a story to tell. We'll, we'll have to do another time, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so I just told you about the ten facts about, uh, about false teachers. Um, and what I'm going to leave you with, what I'm going to leave you with is is we worship the king, and we worship the King because as it says over there, teach no other doctrine. We need to keep in the need of God. K-I-N-G. Keep in the need of God. And what is God? Good orderly direction. And good orderly direction is that sound doctrine. That sound doctrine is the teachings and the principles. Tonight, we were talking about no other doctrine. Um, We did five things today. We taught, we learned we learned first of all a bad drummer has a bad band. Good sound doctrine has a good church. We talked about the definition of doctrine. The second thing we did is we read and we understood first of Timothy chapter one, verse one through ten. We then talked about number three reasons to love sound doctrine. Number four, we talked about discerning false Christians of today. Number five, we talked about the ten facts about false teachers. I bless you all. I pray that you all are able to take this teaching and share it within your heart. And when I say share it within your heart, you know it. We've talked about it. You know there's a recording of it. The people at home with the ice cream. They know it, and so review it. If you get nothing else, just understand that the Bible has two parts to it. It is to teach you. What is teach? You're going to be educated. But also look at the part about the principles, the kind of behaviors you should have. Those behaviors relate to the character, the integrity, your actions which speak louder than words and also the words out of your mouth our website is resurrectionspringfield.org on social media trc413 on youtube it is rescent spring is our channel we have resurrection center radio we have k radio and k tv My name is David Ewan, and this is the Resurrection Center.
1: Let's give God a round of applause. Come on, church. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I thank God for... Gifting Dave, minister of the men's ministry, to teach tonight this powerful word. One of the things that I just want to reassure each and every one of you who are here tonight and those who are coming, we're going to teach you nothing but the truth. If you want lights, go somewhere else. If you want fireworks, if you want glamour, this is not the church for you. Okay? I, I don't criticize Those things, but I do criticize the the, the reason behind it. And I believe that God is sufficient enough to keep you. We don't don't need all that notion. Amen? So with that being said, I want you all to understand the direction that we're going in the next couple of weeks. We're getting ready for a 21-day fast. If any of you want to join us for that 21-day fast, we're going to be giving a small little study on that and also some lecture. So that way you have an understanding. But mainly those that cannot do it because of uh, medical conditions, it's also good for you to uh, check in with your doctor or maybe you could do a partial fast. But we are in desperate need of more of God's presence because the next couple of months, the next six months of this year, okay, going into two 2000- thousand.